0: Welcome to the Towns of to Learning Show Podcast Series, episode 37 with independent learning tech analyst John Lay. Today I interview Ashish Randikar, CEO and co-founder of Bench Prep about how training companies are pivoting to fully digital in these turbulent times. You can find more of our content at TownLearning.com. To well, welcome back, listeners, to the Town to Learning Show Podcast Series. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning from both the vendor and and the practitioner perspective today from the vendor expert side my guest is ashish randekar ashish is a passionate advocate of lifelong learning for his entire career ashish has been focused on providing platforms that help organizations create and deploy impactful modern roi generating competency-based gamified adaptive learning for trade associations as well as education and training companies Whenever we have a chance to speak and share notes, I'm always floored by the breadth of his knowledge and how he can easily distill complex topics down to easy-to-digest nuggets. Listeners, I'm sure you'll be floored also. Ashish, thanks much for joining me today on the Talent to Learning Show podcast series.
1: Great to be here. Anytime I got a chance to talk to you about learning and training, I'm all game.
0: Ah, fantastic. Ashish, let's set the stage. Tell us about yourself and how you came to start bench prep.
1: Definitely, definitely. So, um, so my background is in, uh, well, actually, my undergraduate degree is in mechanical engineering. I have a master's in applied mathematics, and then I have an MBA. So too many degrees. Um, now, this whole thing started about 10 years ago um, when I was living in New York. I was working with Capital One Financial um, doing corporate strategy work. And my goal was to go to a top business school. And for that, I was preparing for my GMAT exam. And when I looked at the options available to me to help me you know, through this, I was really disappointed because the options didn't really gonna fit my lifestyle. And this was 10 years ago by the way. Right? I mean, either I could buy a $20 book, right? book which is like not interactive, not smart, I had to lug it around. Or I would, I I was expected to spend like two grand um, on a live classroom. Um, I mean, one, it's expensive, but you know, it it also expected me to walk into a classroom every Tuesday at 6 p.m., which I just couldn't do. And at the same time, I don't know if you remember this, but Apple had just opened up the iPhone platform. Okay. And there were all these seemingly crazy apps out there. There was an app where you can actually kind of, you know, Guzzle a beer and it'll show like the beer like going down. Um, there is an app that could you can actually make like fart noises, never gets old Um, and people were so fascinated with it. I, every, the level of engagement was was crazy. And I took a step back and I said, here I am trying to learn and study for something that's gonna change the trajectory of my life, but I can't find a good solution. And here is a platform that is really engaging. But no one is actually kind of building something useful on it. So my co-founder and I got together, um, and long story short, we released uh, the first assessment engine on iPhone ever. This was the first Gmat prep app. Um, we released it in December of two thousand and eight, few months after Apple had opened up the platform. That one app became you know, ninety apps. And we were the the highlighted educational uh, provider by Apple. Those ninety apps became a platform, and the platform became the company
0: that we are today. Wow, that is a fantastic story. she's fantastic, fantastic. Well, why don't you tell us about bench prep and uh, what you do now? you know what that platform looks like now, the combination of those ninety apps and what kind of customers that you have that would, would use it, the types of customers that would find value in that?
1: Definitely. So actually, before I kind of jump into like what the platform does, um, I thought I'll kind of start with why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there are four guiding principles that we believe in. Right? This is what we are trying to solve for, and <clears throat> the learning platform is a means to to that end. I think the first guiding principles that we have is that modern learner is different. Today's professional um, looks and behaves very differently. They are untethered, they are on the go all the time, they are impatient, they can't watch a YouTube video any longer than 12 minutes, Um, they are overwhelmed, they get too many Slack messages, too many emails, too many Zoom calls happening right now. so it's 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 it takes a very different approach to engage this modern professional. So that's kind of the first guiding principle. Second guiding principle is that lifelong learning has become an absolute economic reality. Right? This whole idea of career for life and the traditional mindset of learn, do, retire, it no longer provides kind of a future proof approach. Um, we are living in a world where it's, you know, basically learn, earn, learn, cycle, repeat. The third belief that we have is that as learning is becoming more lifelong, learning is getting more unbundled and getting to micro level, what matters at the end of the day is, you know, someone being able to say that, yes, this person can do the job. Right? Because it's not just about knowledge anymore. I mean, you can go to YouTube and watch any video to do anything, but as an employer, how do I make sure that this professional has the right competencies?
2: Right? Mm-hmm. And
1: that's where we feel that verified credentials are important. Right. So not just kind of knowledge, but verified credentials are the currency in the in the labor market. So you put these three together. Like you have to engage the modern learner um, on a lifelong journey, so that they can actually kind of get a verified credential of some sort at the end, and then. You look at the the education and training companies and you realize that they have to go through a massive transformation to deliver lifelong learning to the modern learner. And that's what our mission is. We we enable education and training companies transform their business by helping them deliver best-in-class learning experience. Our job is to help education and training companies generate revenue and retain customers in a very engaging and meaningful
0: way. Wow, that's a very succinct and articulate description of your target market and the problems you solve at bench prep. Sounds like you found a nice sweet spot of impact. Uh, next question. How has the worldwide pandemic impacted your business? Do you find there is now more demand from education and trading companies? Less or about the same? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I didn't mean, see, John, I mean, um, these are unprecedented times, right? I mean, it's not only everyone's business is getting impacted in ways that we never thought, but you know, people's lives are getting impacted. Right? Mm-hmm. So these are like no one was prepared for it by any means, right? Um, when I think of our business specifically, um, I feel that this unfortunate event, in this un- in this unfortunate event, we find ourselves in a time where digital learning has suddenly become an absolute you know reality it is it has become critical to business continuity for these organizations so it's not just like oh it's nice to have it's an absolute must have
2: yeah
1: and being a modern digital learning platform we feel that we have a unique opportunity and almost a responsibility to help these organizations that are in immediate need of creating an online learning environment post Mm COVID-19. So we are getting inundated with um, all kinds of requests because different organizations are kind of coming at it in a, in a different way, but there is one thing that is consistent. That is this transformation to digital learning is getting accelerated at a pace that we never thought we would see unless there was this unfortunate event like Mm COVID-19.
0: Well, I think at, at, that mirrors what I'm seeing uh, out in the broader industry and, you know, just the, the amount of traffic, uh, you know, that we have and the amount of questions that come in on uh, all different levels. It's all the people that were kicking the tires or thinking about it or maybe in 2021, uh, all of a sudden are all right here, right now, uh, ready to act, which leads me to my next, my next question. If if everybody's ready to act and everybody's acting at the same time, so these training companies and education companies and their competitors are, are all acting at the same time, what about the quality and the, the speed? Everybody wants to act fast, but what about the quality of the content? Do you see a, a change uh, in, in buyer habits that they're looking to leap, use this opportunity to leapfrog to the top with the best type of content? Or is it more about speed? Is it more about money? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, I think, see, content is a big
1: part of it. Um, But I think even before content, what's happening right now is um, everyone is taking action. Everyone wants to jump in. But the buying motivations are very different based on where the organization is in their digital transformation cycle. So we have few prospects or organizations coming to us that are very early in their transformation cycle had no digital learning capabilities and they are truly scrambling because they need something now right? for them it's a matter of like survival and revenue continuity mm-hmm. then there are customers who have already made investments in digital and they and those investments are doing really good and hence these organizations want to double down mm-hmm. right so is truly like ROI driven where they're like, hey, we invested in digital last year. Now digital is is driving our growth. So let's just double now. But then I think the the most fascinating part has been that there are customers that are rightfully acknowledging that there is nothing called post-COVID world. There's nothing like it. We are living in a world with COVID period. And these organizations are thinking about this in a very long-term way. And they are willing to reinvent their business model because they know that this is not a short-term pivot or fix. We're gonna come out of this and this is what the reality is gonna be. Now, this is rare and only few organizations are thinking about it, but that's the approach we are taking with our customers. And you, you take this mindset and you think of content and what ends up happening is a lot of organizations you know, look at this opportunity to go remote. But remote learning is not online learning. It's very different. Right? To be able to deliver exceptional digital learning, I almost think that you need to think digital first, digital only, and digital all because digital is just not a channel. And I know that I'm giving you a long preface for your content question because, but I feel like a lot has to be understood before kind of someone uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is okay. to the content piece. So the organizations are either thinking that, oh, I actually have all of this content. Let me just kind of move it online. And that's a very short-sighted way to think about it. Mm-hmm. The right way to think about it is, um, Let's go digital first and look at it as digital only channel. Um, I, believe, I still believe that content is king and content would remain king because good content leads to good learning outcomes. But the content that worked in the analog world cannot be just translated one is to one
2: in the digital world. Has does it look different?
1: I think the the organizations have to start with a better understanding of how the audience are consuming content. Right? Um, I'll give you kind of two specific examples. So in general, in the analog world, um, things are much more linear than in the digital world where things can actually be much more personalized and fluid. Um, when we think of The unit of content in the analog world, it is like chapters and courses that are much more macro in nature. When this content has to be translated to the online world, um, we believe to be able to deliver a good learning experience, it has to be packaged in a very micro unit. Every chapter, every concept, every video, every article has to be tagged. So that the experience doesn't have to be linear in nature, but we can deliver the right content module at the right time, at the right place.
0: I'll buy that. So how does adaptive learning then uh, fold into this conversation? What does that mean and how does that align with micro learning? Like what's the connection?
1: So I think philosophically, our approach to adaptive learning is that, I mean, see, at the end of the day, learning is a means to an end. So the quicker we can get someone to achieve competency, the better it's going to be for them. Um, It's not about how many hours did someone spend in a particular program, but how quickly they attained competency. Mm -hmm. And with that goal in mind, we approach adaptive as a way to help figure out the best learning path for an individual user. And we think about it alongside three dimensions. So first is um, competency. So how do we actually help? What is the specific goal and competency this, this user wants to achieve? Second is confidence. How confident can this user be when they achieve the competency? Because the last thing that you want is, you know, yeah, I scored 90% of an exam, but I still don't feel good about the particular concept. I am not confident in it. Right? And if you're not confident, it does, it's not going to show up in your job. And the third piece is time. Right? We want someone to achieve competency and confidence in the s- shortest period of time possible. So we take these three, and what we end up what we end up doing is, I think it's we we tag every piece of content so that we can actually reconstruct the learning experience with that um, with that goal in mind. the micro learning kind of fits very well with the adaptive learning experience because if we can deliver the right micro unit at any given point then we can actually build the learning towards this bigger competency
0: organizations are somewhere in between the analog and, and the digital is there an in between phase of i don't know assembling them together the, the smaller pieces together in certain orders for folks or in recommended orders or is it uh is it truly just pulling from here and there based on based on tags what's the, what's the correct way to think about it i think
1: the best way to think about it is to start with a kind of a competency competencies and skills map mm. because content is a uh, and first of all, building and creating content is very expensive, it's very expensive. Right? Um, and you can, you know, spend a lot of time and money creating content, but if it's not well understood what the goal is, then it becomes a, you know, a wasteful exercise. Right? So our recommendation is to always start with specific competencies and map them to content. Once you have the competency map. And then you take your content and you start mapping, you'll be able to see where the gaps are. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then there are two decisions to be made. Either we say, hey, we actually have these competencies covered using this content. Do, Do we need to upgrade this content from like, you know, just analog to digital to digital first? Or we look at all of these gaps where we are not even covering these competencies and do we need to create new content to support those?
2: Mm-hmm,
0: interesting. Do you think that because of the transformation, everybody's user personas are now out of date? I think before this,
1: education companies thought about personas in silos, right? They made assumptions that this learner wants digital, this learner wants in-person, this learner wants, you know, virtual blended um and their product offerings were siloed in nature and hence the learner had to pick one so learner had to be like this course is self-paced and this course is virtual and i i i only have kind of one choice i'm not going to kind of pay twice i think what this unfortunate event has what the the COVID has done is it has just kind of brought all of these use cases together
2: right Mm.
1: so it's the use case is less about the delivery model now. The use cases should be more about the competency, mm-hmm. and that should have been the case from from beginning. But the way the learning and training industry evolved, they were kind of more about like, hey, we are a self-paced training company, and we are an instructor-led training company, and so on. Now, the all of these delivery models kind of come come together in a much more integrated way. And which is gonna be, you know, a difficult transition for the training companies. They decide to think about digital in a long-term way. This would be a good stepping stone into that direction.
0: Good time to pivot. Well, that's, uh, that is that uh, is very interesting. But one of the other things uh, on adaptive learning, sometimes another term that comes floating uh, alongside of that is spaced repetition. For, for our audience, could you define what that means and, and I guess how that uh, relates to this conversation?
1: Yeah, so I think technically spaced repetition is just the ability to engage with a specific content during different kind of you know spaced cycles. It is very well understood and researched that for you to be able to master a content piece or you know, master skill or competency, it's best if you engage with it multiple times. Or the other way of saying it is, once I kind of you know engage with a piece of content or working on a specific competency, as soon as I get, let's say 100% competency, within days and weeks, my level of retention dramatically drops. In fact, it's it's well researched that within 30 days, on an average, more than 70% of knowledge is forgotten. And the best way to actually combat this forgetting curve is to, again, introduce those concepts in a very timely manner. And that's the basis of how we think about our, and we actually have a product on this called Bench Prep Engage, um, and that's how we think about this product. Where you know, forgetting curve is a natural phenomena. How do we actually combat it by having users engage with content in a spaced repetition way on a very long period of time, so that by the time they come out of it, they maintain their ninety percent knowledge retention.
0: Do you think uh, that organizations? in your experience, uh, the buying organizations, how many of them already have established competencies? Or is that something that uh, you, you tend to help organizations uh, develop? Like, what, what stage do you find it in?
1: So that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'm actually pretty passionate about this one. So we work with two, at a high level, we work with two types of organizations. So first is, uh, you know, these, Trade associations, credentialing bodies, um, these are like non-profit membership associations that are focused on a specific profession. Then there are these for-profit training companies. Typically, what we have seen is the non-profit associations um, and credentialing bodies and, you know, trade associations are actually really good at understanding that competency map. Because they are singularly focused on a profession, and that's what they do really well. So they actually have competency maps. What we feel is missing is the mapping between content and competencies. Because there are traditionally there were companies who considered themselves, as, oh, these we are training companies, so we are not going to define competencies. Someone else is. And the, the companies that are defining competencies and those the, that framework were not really kind of trying to be learning and training businesses. Now it's all coming together. Because now we are living in a world where the ROI needs to be clear on everything. If you just deliver learning, but it's not kind of, you're not getting a verified credential and you're not being able to show to my to the employer that why do you need a promotion based on that? Um, no one is gonna spend money on it. Mm -hmm. So now we are actually seeing these two worlds coming together people who had the competency mapping and people who had the content to create this ecosystem that's going to be much better for the professional to navigate through
0: outstanding so my understanding is that bench prep is offering educational and training companies a quick start package to help them make the pivot in these unprecedented times could you tell us about what that entails
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, as I said, um, you know, we find ourselves in a situation where um, a lot of education and training companies out there are in immediate need of creating an online learning environment. And in response to this need, we have launched a new program. Uh, We're calling it the Bench Prep Quick Start Program. Um, and the whole idea is to, sp- to speed up the time that it takes um, from transitioning to from offline learning to online um, and this program is um, is intended to assist companies that are focused on in-person training so that they can confidently and very quickly move their learning programs to a digital first model with Actually. a modern pl- platform and that allows for a very quick onboarding a very straightforward contracting and reduced pricing
0: great well thanks for providing that service to the market at large and listeners you can find that at benchprep.com earlier we were discussing about how you have three different levels of customers Uh, those that are immediately in the position of having to pull the instructor-led to digital lever immediately Uh, the second group that's already made an investment in digital learning and are now using the crisis to double down and finally the third group that is looking post Uh, crisis and planning for the future for the purposes of this conversation I think groups two and three are probably well on their way of uh, on their path but for group one if you found yourself in that immediate need to make a shift what's the best advice you could give somebody in that position
2: I think
1: the first and I think the absolute first thing that we we would recommend is understand what your customers need in this new world so let's start with their customers second would be to find a partner um, who can actually help them through this transition and when i say partner it can be a platform it can be a service provider but someone who understands the digital learning space well and has gone through multiple cycles of transformation should be kind of step two with this partner they should very quickly lay out a phased approach to roll out right this is not the time to although the goals and the vision should be set for long term but this is not the time to spend like four months and cycles and cycles on planning this is the time to act very quickly because there are professionals and learners out there waiting for a a uh, more accessible digital solution. So, the third uh, step would actually be to come up with a, a phased approach on how do you actually roll this out, and then very quickly move on to a place where you're actually figuring out what that steady state ecosystem um, would look like, which is, again, I said, digital first and digital all.
0: Well, there you have it. Sage advice from Ashish Rannikar, CEO and co founder of Bench Prep. Ashish, thanks so much for joining me today, sharing your story, advice, and wisdom. As always, it was a fascinating conversation. Thanks, John. And audience, thank you for listening along to another episode of the Talented Learning Show podcast series. We hope you continue to follow along. you can find more of our fiercely independent content at talenttolearning.com. Stay safe and have a great day. Thanks for listening.